0: Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. While consumer spending remains strong through the holidays despite rising prices, the new year may bring a new level of financial scrutiny as many Americans consider their budget limitations and what is essential altering when, how, and where they shop, and what they buy. As such, retailers and manufacturers will need to rethink how they reach out to and engage with shoppers, the types of products and services they offer, and how they might best position themselves to meet evolving consumer needs and expectations. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, Julie Company, Director of Client Strategy Grocery Drug Mass Channel, at the media marketing and coupon distributor, Veracast, shares how the tightening economy combined with ongoing concerns about the pandemic, geopolitical strife, and supply chain issues will influence consumers in 2023. She also shares strategies for how grocers and manufacturers can woo shoppers with effective marketing strategies that educate and inspire promotions that drive trial and consumer acquisition and an omni-channel approach that meets consumer demand for convenience. For more than a year, consumer grocery spending has held more or less steady despite wave after wave of price hikes across the board. But in recent quarters, shoppers have begun to shift and in some cases pull back on their spending, albeit unevenly across demographics and less than expected. Company explains that this trend will likely accelerate in the new year as the desire to celebrate the holidays is replaced by a desire to rebuild financial health and wealth, and hedge against the rising risk of a recession or layoffs. So
1: when you think about where grocery has been just in the last five years, the progression of change has been at the fastest pace that I've seen it in my career. Uh, And, you know, while grocers, I think in general, should be applauded for all the changes and the um, updates that they have been making to stores, their labor practices, and so on, um, we're at another tipping point, right, with inflation coming into play and in the minds of all of us for probably the next six months, if not longer. There's predictions of a recession next year. Some people say we are in a recession right now. Um, all the pressures that I think consumers are feeling from the standpoint of not only is food going up, but everything is tending to go up, although thankfully gas prices have come down. So, you know, that is putting pressure on a consumer to determine what do I have to spend my money on because I absolutely have to have that versus those items that might be a nice want, but maybe I have to delay that for a month, two months, maybe much longer than that, um, or I have to learn to live without it. So I think people are getting very intentional with their spending as a result of the prices going up on so many different things. And of course, you still want to be able to celebrate when you're with family, and you don't want to skimp on those those areas. So people are um, trying to balance, I think, that need to balance their budget with their desire to not skimp when it comes to family celebrations. And that's, definitely a core area of focus for any grocer.
0: Company also notes that how consumers respond to ongoing economic challenges depends on their current economic status and how much wiggle room they have financially, complicating the response of retailers and manufacturers.
1: There is a definite bifurcation when you think about consumers at the, let's say, higher level of income level. There, While well, they definitely are recognizing inflation, they're not doing as much pulling back in terms of their spending as you would see with someone who's a middle-income or a lower-income household. So um, even those higher middle-income households are trading down or trading to different uh, retailers to spend their money at. So when you talk about pulling back, um, what we're starting to see is that, you know, that that upper-income consumer might actually trim back on a streaming service, but they're really not cutting back in a lot of ways, um, whereas that higher middle-income consumer, middle-income, lower-income consumer – they are evaluating <clears throat> where do I shop, and in many cases they're um while we all usually go to more than three groceries three three different stores, I should say, not necessarily grocery stores, but three different stores or more. It's actually four point nine per fMI to buy our groceries, you could be going to a club store, you could be going to a grocery store, could actually be going to two or three different grocery stores. And you could also be even going to a specialty store as well as a discount operator like an Aldi or a Walmart. And what you see with those middle to lower income consumers, um, while they might not have been a shopper that would normally go to a Dollar General or a Family Dollar, now they are actually going there as an alternative to save some money on their, uh, let's just say, like those household essentials, cleaning goods, paper goods, um, more stable, shelf-stable grocery items. Um, if you happen to be in that upper middle income consumer base, you might be saying, you know what, I'll, I'll actually consider shopping at Walmart, and when I don't normally have them in my mix of um, close to five different retailers I shop at for groceries, so you might trade out of going to um, a specific location and now you're going to Walmart instead. So it's, it that consideration is part of what shoppers are evaluating every single month now as they look at their combination between. You know, maybe their wages have gone up two percent this year, but inflation has gone up as you as you indicated, eight plus percent when it comes to groceries. So they've they've definitely got to figure out how am I gonna make that money work for the entire month um and not run out and uh and still feed the family.
0: In addition to shifting where they shop, consumers also increasingly are switching up what they buy. As illustrated by Veracast's survey conducted in September that found 53% of respondents agreeing that they have become less loyal to specific brands. As this loyalty erodes, company explains that manufacturers and retailers that offer the best price or the most convenience are winning. Top among these is private label, which if positioned correctly, can help a retailer's earn back consumer loyalty and drive additional foot traffic.
1: Private brands, uh, I, in my opinion, are really having their moment in the sun. Uh we had a lot of private brand trial took, take place during COVID. I mean, that was forced because the consumer went to the shelf and a lot of their favorite brands were out of stock. And they tried the private brands and they found that they actually liked them. And they've been sticking with them um, in a much higher level. In fact, we're FMI reported earlier this year that um, private brands are, have about an 18% share of overall grocery dollars and – If this could be a year where actually that number creeps pretty close to 25%, because so many retailers are investing in their private brands, they're expanding their assortments with edgy flavors and scents and packaging. You don't even sometimes know that you just bought a private brand. So um, you are seeing much more consumers actually leaning towards purchasing private brands as a choice. In fact. Um, FMI recently had a study this year that actually said that 52% of shoppers actually will pick their retailer based on their private brands. And that's, that's an important distinction for retailers to realize because if they are not making sure the consumer knows that that brand is only available at their stores, how do you get them to come back and buy it again at your store? They might just go to the wrong store thinking they can find it. Um, so you really need to make sure that you're aligned with the brands that you have ownership of. In fact, many of our retailers are now calling it owned brands instead of private brands um, for that reason, that, and they're leading these brands as if they are CPGs. So they're thinking about ways to promote them just like a consumer product brand, um, like a Procter & Gamble would do, which is really, if you look at brand, you know companies like Kroger, like Albertsons, they have very robust um, private brand businesses where they're, you know, making selling more than a billion dollars worth of sales in a given year on a single brand within their brand, private brand portfolio. So this this is the year I think that we could actually see the share of that business grow um, up to close to 25%. That's certainly not the majority of business in private brands, but it is definitely the highest level it's reached in my career. So, um this is this could be an interesting year ahead for private brands
0: to take full advantage of this trend, companies as retailers need to make the connection between their store and their brands and promote private label the same way as manufacturers of named brands.
1: best way for them to promote those brands and make sure the consumers aware of where they can find these brands ongoing so they keep that business growing is um, is not only their weekly circulars but on their website and you know, even go beyond their own websites and start utilizing digital display ads to let the consumer, to promote that brand as a brand that's associated with your store. And when it's on special, or even if it's just a new brand, letting them know that we have new flavor profiles that are available on that brand. Um, just like a normal CPG would do when you have a new product launch, you're going to go on multiple different media outlets. You're going to utilize paid social. You're going to leverage influencers. Retailers don't use influencers near as much as CPGs do. That's another way that they can elevate their private brands to an audience that follows that influencer. And that's an excellent way to elevate awareness and, and just acquire new shoppers for that brand.
0: As private label gains market share companies as brand manufacturers will need to tailor their marketing efforts across banners regions and demographic groups to focus on where they are most vulnerable and where they can potentially expand their base
1: CPGs are extremely savvy they have been in the broad media space for uh, and they adopted trial if you will of different digital media um, as it buzzed being offered to the market, so they were the first ones that were going to adopt digital coupons. They were the first ones to adopt um, social media and have Facebook platforms and Instagram platforms for their brands. Um, and retailers are always slower to adopt that kind of um, those options because they're just not proven yet to in, in their mind um, to develop consumer loyalty, consumer engagement. Whereas um, CPGs. Are very very um, adept at that, and so I I would foresee that they are absolutely aware of the pressure point from private brands. They know in their particular category how much share they might have at risk to a private brand that might be surging. Um, but keep in mind that private brands or own brands are retailer specific, market specific. So a CPG in general is a national player and. So they're paying attention to not only what's happening in Kroger stores, but also Albertson stores and their brands that they're competing against from Kroger and Albertsons are very different brands um, because they're, they're individual retailers' brands. Uh, so they look at their, their brand portfolio. CPG looks at their brand portfolio on a national basis to say, okay, where are we market share-wise against the, all the competition in a given market? What levers do we need to pull in order to win more share or win back share we lost? And they will invest in their brand at given retailers, whether that happens to be getting a front page on their circular, being the front page on the retailer's website, um, additional advertising that might um, tie to the retailer, whether that happens to be in digital display ads, CTV ads, or Um, even tagging them in an Instagram post um, or, you know, utilizing that CPG's brands in recipes that the retailer is posting on their websites. So they, the CPGs will pull all of those levers to make sure that they don't lose share, but they will identify geographies and store bases that they need to be very focused on so that they are not losing share. And if anything, um, you know, being very focused on what's happening with that local retailer that might be having a really strong brand that's on a surge. So they're they're very savvy about it. They'll they'll pull every lever possible.
0: An increasingly important lever on which manufacturers and brands alike will need to lean in in the coming year will be personalized promotions based on shoppers' habits and interests, which a recent Veracast survey found 46% of respondents say they want to see more. Company advises a good place to focus personalization is on coupons and discounts, which more consumers are seeking.
1: Historically, most coupons were delivered in the FSI in a Sunday paper, um, but that has um, definitely subsided quite a bit as consumers have been encouraged to sign up for, again, those grocers' websites um, and their digital platforms where they can load a coupon to their loyalty card. And so, or it might be. Their um, unique identifier being their phone number. When they're checking out, they can just put their phone number in at the checkout, and automatically all those coupons they've loaded uh, get applied to their, their basket. So um, what's the smartest way to do that? I think most brands, CPG brands, they're very familiar with how to target their particular consumer. They're, they're using a couple of different levers how often do you buy my product? How often do you buy the category? How loyal are you to um, my brand within the category? And that usually influences the level of offer that is delivered to the consumer. And that can vary based on the retailer's platform. Some are much more um, targetable and personalized than others, um, whereas you might get a different offer for two different households in line based on their loyalty to a product or their level of spend in a category. Uh, most retailers' websites are not quite that robust in terms of their digital offers, um, and, I, and I know that um, down the road, there is efforts af- afoot for what we might call a universal coupon that you could use at any grocery store, regardless of um, where you shop, and similar to how the SSI works, you could utilize that digital coupon anywhere. Right now, that, that functionality is very limited, but um, it is coming. And right now, um, most consumers are tapping into each retailer's website or their app to be able to download the offers to their their loyalty number. Um, so, but from a retailer standpoint, how can they leverage discounts? And honestly, because it is expensive to do a basket discount um, for a retailer, I and mean, let's say. You know, you're going to have a $10 off a $50 basket. You have to have a very um, robust loyalty platform and targeting platform to be able to say, oh, this consumer wouldn't normally spend $50. I'm going to try to get them to amp up their spend to $50 and I'll give them a $10 off to do that. Um, if they, if they had the ability to do that, that's a smart thing to do at this point in time because you're going to help a consumer save money but you're also helping yourself by getting a little bit more of a basket spend out of that consumer than you would normally, which means that they might not go to another retailer to spend um, and make a trip. Uh, So you might win more of that share of wallet, if you will, if you can get them to stretch a little bit at your store. Um, That's probably the best lever from a retailer standpoint. Um, And that's, you know, but that's just not done as often, Today, just because most of the coupons today are actually executed by CPGs,
0: company also advises both retailers and manufacturers to engage with consumers through education and inspiration, with a special focus on how to make grocery dollars and meals stretch, given the economic uncertainty that many people are currently facing.
1: Reflecting back on all the years that I've seen, you know, our ebbs and flows of our economy and we used to call them gut fillers and grocers would promote pasta, they'd promote rice, you know, casseroles, any kind of recipes that would actually be an opportunity for you to feed the family but on a lower price point. Those are that's actually coming back. So but now we have the benefit of websites and um the the retailer could actually be promoting those kind of how to feed your family for a much lower expense um and yet still feed them well you know and and they're not hungry at the end of the meal. So though there are ways that grocers can lean in in a circumstance like we have today and continue to capture those those consumers dollars.
0: For other insights into how grocers and manufacturers can continue to drive sales, capture new consumers and retain existing ones in the new year and throughout the economically challenging period, check out Veracast's recently published report, 14 trends that will define marketing in 2023 which is available at veracast.com under the Insight tab, where you'll also find additional research and advice. With that, we've reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope that you'll join me again next week for another installment, and to help you remember, I encourage you to subscribe. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week.